When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast. The Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Julia Hartley Brewer at breakfast on Talk Radio. Good morning to you. This is Talk Radio Breakfast with me, Julia Hartley Brewer. Thank you very much indeed for your company. Well, at 10 o'clock this morning, we are going to see the publication of the Equality and Human Rights Commission report into anti-Semitism in the Labour Party under Jeremy Corbyn. It is expected to be a damning indictment of the failure to tackle anti-Semitism in the party, although early reports suggest, leaks are suggested that it's not actually going to say that the party is institutionally racist, but it will uh, be very, very critical uh, of uh, the general handling of uh, complaints of anti-Semitism, although unlikely to specifically recommend disciplinary action against high-profile individuals, including Jeremy Corbyn himself and some of his closest advisers. Uh, well, will this be the end of a painful chapter for the Labour Party and indeed for Britain's Jewish population? Or does this tell us that uh, there is an institutional problem in the Labour Party? Let's talk to Lord Austin. Previously, Ian Austin, Labour MP, now an independent peer and chair of Mainstream UK, a cross-party campaign to combat extremism in public life. Good morning to you, Ian. Good morning, Julia. Morning. How are well, you? Very well, indeed. You, of Good. course, resigned from the party uh, over the anti-Semitism issue because you were adopted uh, by a Jewish family and you just felt that it was untenable for you to remain in the party. What are you expecting to hear in this report? Well, look, we don't know exactly what's in the report, but I think the one thing we can be certain about is that this has been an utterly shameful period for the Labour Party. Huge offence caused to the Jewish community. And they're the people... I mean, it's not, you know, this isn't about me. I mean, they're the people we should be thinking about today. We, and we should be thinking about the campaign against anti-Semitism and the Jewish labour movement who, uh, who made the complaints that led to this inquiry. We should be thinking, I think, about Jewish women MPs who were told they don't have human blood or were driven out of the party by ra- racists. People like Luciana Berger, Louise Elman, Ruth Smith, Margaret Hodge, targeted as part of this. We should be thinking about the staff who were driven out, the brave members of staff, the whistleblowers who uh, who told the truth about what was happening. This has been a really shocking period, you know. Members have been arrested for racial hatred or harassment. Senior figures, you know, claiming Hitler was a Zionist, denying other people, denying or questioning the Holocaust. And Jewish members being held to account for, you know, Israel's policies. And a, and, and a really bizarre an unpleasant obsession with Israel has developed in the Labour Party. You know, they hold the world's only Jewish state to standards they would never expect 
from any other country. Yeah, I've always thought so, that people who are concerned with uh, Israel's policies, and I think there's lots of things the Israeli government does that I don't agree yeah, with, but uh, sure. they seem far more concerned with Israel than, you know, Abbas Assad in, uh, in, in Syria uh, and, you know, the mullahs uh, in Iran. It's absolutely extraordinary that they should hold the only democratic state in the Middle East uh, to such high standards as well. Well, that's completely right. But, uh, but I'm afraid it's become a really... Unpleasant and bizarre obsession. Has it? Has it going to? But has it all gone away because Jeremy Corbyn is no longer leader of the Labour Party? Is the Labour Party? Has it all been wiped, wiped clean, and no longer does the Labour Party have this problem? Because this problem wasn't there before Jeremy Corbyn. Um, I, I look. I grew up in the Labour Party, same as you did. Uh, my parents were very much involved in the Labour Party, and the father stood for election, Labour, and all that. Um, and uh, and, and there, at no point would it have ever crossed my mind that anyone could have claimed there was institutional anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. This was, I think, the norm uh, uh, under Jeremy Corbyn. Has it gone now? Well, I think it existed in sort of dark, dark corners before and it existed outside the Labour Party. But what happened is that every crank and conspiracy theorist in the country joined the Labour Party to support Jeremy Corbyn. I'm not saying everybody who supported Jeremy no. Corbyn is a crank and conspiracy theorist, but certainly many cranks and conspiracy theorists joined the Labour Party uh, to support him. And I don't think this is the end, no, because I think this is probably going to set out steps the Labour Party have got to take to address this problem and to uh, and to deal with it. But the key lesson for me is 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 what happens when a when people allow a mainstream political party to be taken over by the hard left and by people from outside of mainstream politics. And what happened here? Let's go back and think about this. They altered the membership rules and they allowed all these people to join. MPs who should have known better nominated Corbyn even though lots of his sort of unacceptable associations, his support for Hamas, Hezbollah, the people he'd worked with, the things he'd said, lots of these things were known about in 2015. And he'd spent decades working with all sorts of extremists, in some cases terrorists and, uh, and, and anti-Semites. He was completely unfit to lead the Labour Party. Um, and I think, I think then what happened, this is a really tragic thing, is that people, you know, because for reasons of personal advancement or because they wanted to keep their jobs or remain as MPs. You know, they sort of, they knew it was wrong and they knew he was unfit to be Prime Minister, but they sort of supported and sustained his leadership. And well, that's a bit of a concern, and, isn't it? Because there's a question mark over Keir Starmer here. I don't think for a moment that Keir Starmer has got an anti-Semitic bone in his body. Don't question that at all. The first thing he did when he became Labour leader was to reach out to the Jewish community. And that was a very welcome uh, uh, effort that he made. However, do you recall at any point when he was in the shadow cabinet campaigning for Jeremy Corbyn to become prime minister of this country, that he spoke out about anti-Semitism in the party and the, and the party's failure to deal with it? Look, I'm sure he said anti-Semitism was a bad thing and the, the Labour Party had to do more to deal with it. But for me, that wasn't really the test. The test for me is, what did they do to stand up for Luciana Berger when she was being bullied out of the Labour Party by racists? What did they do to support Louise Elman? What did they do to support Margaret Hodge when she was subjected to an unfair uh, disciplinary process? What did they do to support Ruth Smith when... She was being subject to such huge levels of disgusting abuse. Where were they when the Jewish community, I mean the Jewish community, organised a protest against racism, against the Labour Party in Parliament Square? There were only about 20 or 30 MPs there. Imagine how different it would have been if every single Labour MP had turned up and demanded Corbyn get a grip of this. 
Imagine. I mean, there was one occasion when Tom Watson, the deputy leader, organised a letter that he asked MPs and peers to sign. And a hundred of them signed it. They said to me, Ian, isn't it great? We got a hundred people signed this letter. I thought, well, what about the other 300? <laughs> and only one member of Tom, only one member of the Shadow Cabinet signed Tom Watson's letter. And do you know who that was? Who? Tom Watson. <laughs> that kind of says a lot about it. Um, would you consider rejoining the Labour Party now that Keir Starmer is leader? Keir is obviously a huge improvement on Corbyn. No question about that. And it, as you say, I mean, he's clearly not an anti-Semite and he's clearly not an extremist. But in the end, you know, I think people should have spoken out more. I do. And this is the thing, um, isn't it? it, it, was, I, it was, but do it was, I want to rejoin? Yeah. Look, I think people ask me, somebody was asking me this yesterday. I said, I spent my life in the Labour Party. I regard myself as Labour. But I think the party's... I think the party's culture was poisoned and I think its processes were corrupted and I think I think people you know people in senior people in senior positions um, stood by whilst this happened can you imagine and another I, scenario so I'm, not, I'm not sort of you know I'm in no rush Okay, I'm but, in no rush to rejoin the Labour Party. I, I can remember before the last election, I, I had Jewish friends um, and and my own doctor say that they and their families were talking about emigrating. If Jeremy Corbyn got elected, they were genuinely worried, genuinely scared for their and their family's safety. Can you imagine us ever being in a scenario ever again in this country where the the prospect of one of the major political parties in this country getting elected means that um, hundreds of thousands of people in this country are scared for their lives? I think, well, look, the Labour Party's got to learn from this and it's got to make sure nothing like this ever happens again. And I think we've got to, you know, we've really got to value and protect institutions on which our democracy is based. Uh, there's got to be zero tolerance for extremism and racism. And I think they've got to look at, they've got to look at in detail at what happened here and they've got to look at, there are all sorts of complaints that were brushed under the carpet. I think they've got to reopen those and subject them to a proper, a proper sort of complaints process yeah. now. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, talk radio. Channel migrant death. Uh, absolutely just tragic, tragic news. Four migrants who died when their boat capsized in the English Channel. Uh, they've been identified yesterday as members of a Kurdish-Iranian family. Their 15-month-old boy is still missing, uh, but uh, the mother and father, both aged 35, and their children, aged 9 and 6, perished uh, as their tiny little boat, uh, tiny little fishing boat, uh, left uh, the coast of France uh, near Dunkirk and was uh, basically uh, sunk uh, by the rough seas and high winds in terrible sea conditions. There have been calls uh, for, including uh, by the front page of the, some of the papers today, calls for the uh, uh, those who were uh, traffickers who were paid to get, put them on that boat to face manslaughter charges. And uh, we did a big poll on this yesterday. We did lots of people texting in and tweeting in about their thoughts on who they blamed for those tragic deaths. Well, let's talk about this with Bella Sankey. She's director of Detention Action and joins us once again. Good morning to you. Good morning, Julia. Lovely to speak to you. Um, now, you tweeted out uh, yesterday after Priti Patel, the Home Secretary, had uh, offered her thoughts and prayers uh, for the uh, this family. You said, leave the thoughts and prayers to the rest of us. You have awesome powers. You could prevent further deaths overnight by creating a safe and legal asylum route to the UK from northern France. These children died on your doorstep. Um, who forced that family to put their young children in a rickety boat in terrible sea conditions and make that risky crossing from a perfectly safe country to Britain? Well, there's lots of assumptions in your question there, Julia. Of course, Where? Well, tell me tell me what those assumptions were. Well, one of the assumptions is that France is going to be a safe location for this family to resettle. We don't know whether that's true or not. In fact, we don't know any of the circum circumstances um, because this family's now very sadly no longer here to speak for themselves. So France isn't a safe country? There are all sorts of reasons why, based on somebody's individual circumstances, France may not be safe for them. Explain. We know that, well, we know at the moment there have been um, very uh, vicious raids on the, the, the Calais camps that have been set up in France, people being evicted, lots of people being made destitute. <clears throat> Um, you know, the, 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 there are all sorts Sorry, of... Sorry, what basis does that mean that France isn't a safe country for these people? I mean, they fled... Kur- they're Kurdish-Iranians. They, they, they fled their homeland. Um, but, but I'm sorry, France is a safe country. I, I, don't, I don't think there's anything to debate about that. Well, there is, Julia, and that's why people are coming to the UK, because they may not feel safe. Oh, they France. don't feel safe. OK. And that, and that, of course, is the point. Um, because just <laughs> because you or me may be safe in France doesn't mean... Um, that a refugee family um, who, who who have fled their homeland is is going to be safe there. France regularly gets in trouble with the European Court of Human Rights for the way that it treats asylum seekers. So do we. You know, exactly. So, so we're not, not a safe country either. So what on earth are well, they coming for some, here for? For some people, the UK may not be safe either. That's why it's so important, Julia, that each family or each individual is able to choose where they go to seek Asylum, but but just to get back to to, okay. to the question, you know, this is an absolutely horrific tragedy, as you recognise. Absolutely, 
as you as you've recognised, Julia. And I think what everyone now needs to be doing is thinking about how we can prevent um, such deaths happening again. Because as things stand, it's highly likely that there will be more deaths in the Channel over the next few months if the UK and the French governments don't step up and ensure that people have other options and are able to come here safely without having to risk their lives in this way. OK, but have... isn't, isn't the simple solution here if, if the French government stepped up their co the Coast Guard patrols to prevent people getting uh, on rickety boats in unsafe conditions? Look, if you or I put our kids at that age uh, onto a rickety <clears throat> boat uh, on a lake or a river in those conditions and <clears throat> they died, we'd probably be prosecuted and quite rightly. More of the same is not going to solve this problem, Julia. We've had more enforcement in the channel. We've had more enforcement on the French side. And what we've seen in the last year is more and more people making this dangerous journey. It is impossible to stop people from doing this journey. Is it impossible? Yes, that's the reality. That's what has been shown in the last year. The reason why more people are making this journey is because any other safe or legal route has been shut down by this government. We no longer have a Syrian resettlement scheme. We no longer have the Dubs arrangement, which was taking unaccompanied children that find themselves in France um, that have a right to come to the UK. Those, those, both of those things have been ended. There's a direct correlation between the numbers we're seeing and the fact that safe and legal routes uh, no longer exist. So that's why there's mm. such an urgency for those to be reopened and also for more safe and legal routes to be opened up. Julia, we, we've never been in the position that, the, 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 that this family has found themselves mm. in, thankfully. We, we are two of the lucky ones in I this I know world. we are. I, I, I mean, I, I completely accept that. This is the point. There are billions of people, not millions, billions of people on this planet who aren't as lucky as we are. The question is, is how many of them we're going to take in uh, when they decide that they feel they would like to come to our country? Um, it, it, I mean, we, as you say, we don't know many details about this family. And again, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. It's absolutely tragic what's done, what's happened. Um, but um, there is also um, a, a, an issue about it, if there was a safe and legal process by which they could have been in France and applied for asylum in our country, is it likely that they would have been granted asylum, a Kurdish Iranian family in a safe country like France saying, oh, we don't feel safe here. We'd like to come to Britain. On what basis would they then be granted asylum? Can you tell us how that would work? If they have a well-founded fear of persecution, then people can be granted asylum here. And I think it's important to point out, given this family's nationality, that in the last year, out of all of the asylum applications that the UK heard, um, the, the, the nationality that made the most were Iranians, and that two-thirds of those applications were accepted the first time around by the Home Office. After that, 10 to 20% of those applications will be granted on appeal. So yes, I think it's really clear from looking at the facts and the evidence mm. and the statistics um, that Iranians will, uh, more likely than not, uh, the, the ones that reach the UK will will have but an they but they'd grant. have to have been to the, got got to the UK to do it. But then that's the difference, isn't it? If they had if they were able to apply from outside of the UK whilst already in a safe country, it's very different from them being already here and then applying. Whether whether or not we change the law, whether we whether whether or not we change the law, Bella, and they were they were in a safe country like France, saying we think we're persecuted here in France. Um, it's it's rather unlikely, isn't it, that they would then be granted um asylum here? As I say, Julia, the, the law is really clear that there's no such thing as, you know, being required to claim in, in, in the first... I know that. I know that. You've, you've, you've schooled me on that before. So, so the point is, you know, it's quite arbitrary that this family 
uh, wasn't able to make it to the UK. We know that they attempted to twice and they were refused. Had they been able to make it here, they may very well have been granted asylum and, they, and, and those children may have been able to grow up in peace and security in our community. So, yeah. or, you know, or, or they could have grown up in peace and security in France and their children wouldn't be dead. Well, Julia, I, I don't think it's appropriate, if I'm quite honest, to be um, sort of second guessing and judging the decisions of these two parents. Isn't it? Who, who are now dead. Isn't it? No, that, I, that their children I, are dead and it's due to their actions that they're mm. dead. I think we should absolutely be second guessing them. Well, I think there are lots of complex reasons um, why, why those deaths have occurred. And as I say, I think the focus of all of us should be on pre preventing further deaths rather than trying to second guess um, the, the impossible and difficult decisions that people <laughs> make who are, are far less fortunate than ourselves. Okay. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Right now, let's turn our attention to a different story. Military personnel who commit serious offences will be able to escape justice under new legislation. They say it's bad for the rule of law and victims of crime and the armed forces. This is the view of the Joint Committee on Human Rights and the MPs on that committee. Well, one of those is uh, Harriet Harman QC, Labour MP, former deputy leader of the party and chair of that Human Rights Committee. Good morning to you, Harriet. Good morning, Hello. Julia. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, can you just tell us, first of all, like, why you think what, what this rule of law is, is, is why it's damaging and why it's actually uh, allowing military personnel to escape justice? Well, there is a problem which has been recognised by everybody, which is that there can be repeated investigations of allegations which can hang over the heads of armed forces personnel for years. And the way to deal with that is to have proper investigations, because if you have an investigation that doesn't do the job properly, which doesn't interview the soldiers properly, which doesn't interview the civilians properly, which doesn't look at the log books, um, which fails to take the evidence from the victim, then it leaves a kind of vacuum. And then everybody quite rightly says, well, this hasn't been a proper investigation. We need another one. And then if the second investigation is not right either, then you have to have another one because basically there is a big impetus for justice. And the way to deal with that is to have proper investigations so that if it's a false allegation, it can be knocked on the head that basically everything's looked into. It's confidence is there that it's a false allegation and it's set to one side. That is the problem that needs to be dealt with. What the government have done is bring forward a bill saying it is terrible about these repeat investigations. So what we're going to do is we're going to do nothing about investigations. What we're going to do is make it more difficult for soldiers to be prosecuted. And the, the, the danger of that is that it might mean that serious offences um, then people have immunity and you can't have two sorts of defendants. Those who are, sorry. So I was going to say, so basically going from one bad extreme to the other bad extreme. Well, they don't solve the problem that needs to be solved, but they actually create more problems. And I think the thing about this is, is that the government know that, well, they've got a big majority, they've got an 80 majority, and they know that there is huge support, not only amongst the public, but across the House of Commons for our armed services. And they are really misusing that support to actually put through a bill which purports to solve a problem and won't solve it. And I think it's letting down the armed forces as well because they are being promised 
that this will sort the problem of repeat investigations and it won't. And the other thing they're doing is in order to stop civil claims by civilians against our armed services overseas, they're saying there's an absolute cutoff point after six years, you can't sue. But supposing a member of the armed forces wants to sue the MOD because say they've got loss of hearing or some very disabling thing, they will be debarred from suing the MOD. So the MOD is sitting very nicely here. Yeah. We might have done something terrible wrong. You might have suffered as a result, but too bad. You've gone over the six-year time limit. There's an absolute bar. You can't actually uh, sue us anymore. I mean, really, it is, it's not a good bill. And we've done a very big and authoritative report, very cross-party. We've got Conservatives, Scots Nats, Lib Dems, members of the House of Commons and members of the House of Lords. This is not a party political point we're making here, but we're saying to the Secretary of State and the ministers, look, you've actually going in the wrong direction on this. You're going to create some bad problems. You're not going to solve some problems that do need problems. I know you've already brought the bill forward and waved it in the air and done a lot of, you know, waving of the bill but actually it's time to step okay. back and recognize that it's not a good thing all right i mean again it, it sounds like a, a yeah a well very worthwhile report and again we know that the whole point of having you know mps and committees scrutinizing this stuff is to make sure that we get legislation that does the job we actually want it to do um can i also ask you about the upcoming reports going to be published in all oh, 23 minutes time uh, by the equality and human rights commission into problem of anti-semitism in the labor party it's set to be we're told from the leaks we've, we've had quite damning maybe not calling for a discipline against Against individual people like Jeremy Corbyn, uh, but a big concern about uh, just how anti-Semitism complaints were uh, handled uh, by the party during uh, the Jeremy Corbyn years. Um, how damaging, first, would you think this is to the Labour Party? And do you think that under Keir Starmer, things have changed and that is now all in the past? I think it's damaging that it happened. And I think that Keir Starmer was absolutely right when he was running for the leadership to say that a key point of my leadership is I'm going to stamp out this anti-Semitism. It has no place in the Labour Party. It's not going to be hidden. It's going to be exposed and dealt with severely. So I'm sure that the um, Equality and Human Rights Commission will have done a very thorough report. Uh, it absolutely has to be accepted. I'm sure that Keir Starmer will act on it. Um, are you convinced that Keir Starmer did enough when he was uh, in the uh, Labour Party as, a, as a, a member of the shadow cabinet uh, seeking to get Jeremy Corbyn elected? Did he speak out enough on this issue? I think he absolutely did. But I think, you know, there's a limit to what speaking out can do. What really needs to happen is that people who are anti-Semitic should be chucked out of the Labour Party. They should have no place in it. And uh, that's what, as leader, um, he has absolutely said will happen. And his objective is to rebuild the trust and confidence of the Jewish community. And that is his test, is that if the Jewish community feel that Labour is, a, is no longer got anti-Semitism in it and it's a safe place for Jewish people, then he will have and, you know, he would have achieved what he set out to achieve. So I think he set the bar high, rightly. Um, and I'm confident that this ugly and horrible uh, period, uh, which caused so much suffering, will be behind us. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. 
Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Undaria Algae Body Oil and Undaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.